Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. And I have a friend with me, Rabbi Jeff Foreman. Welcome. So good to be here. Thank and, you. And welcome back, because you've been to Koinonia before. I have, yeah. It's yeah. great to be back. Uh, if you were a long-timer uh, at Koinonia, you maybe remember Rabbi Jeff uh, being with us. He leads the City of David um, Synagogue in Markham. Thornhill. Okay. Actually, it's Thornhill. Yeah, it's Thornhill. All right. So if you know where Thordale is. Yep. Okay. And, and his, his ministry is making Jesus known through the Jewish community, through his synagogue, his gathering. And so you're going to hear his heart. He's going to unpack some of the stuff that we've been talking about through the word, um, talking about Passover, talking about Moses to Jesus. And I'm taking no more time because I want you to hear from Rabbi Jeff. So bless you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you. It's so great being here, being back here at Koinonia. So um, I'm excited to, to share with you what, what you know the Lord has put on my heart to share and to come as a part of the series that is happening here at Koinonia. And um, I'd like to begin with a Hebrew prayer, okay, to our Messiah. Adon HaKavod Melech HaMlachim Shemesh Tzedakah Umarpeh Bichnafeha Yeshua, Thou art the Lord of glory Thou art the King of kings. Thou art the Son of righteousness. With healing in thy wings. Lord, thank you for your healing anointing here today. Thank you for releasing your presence and anointing that is already here release now in a powerful way in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Can we say amen? Let's give him a praise offering. Close? Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so what I want to share with you today is how I, as a Jewish person, a Jewish believer, I came to know the Lord in, in, uh, in a powerful way. I don't have time to share that with you. But as a Jewish person, uh, I see the new covenant through Jewish eyes. Let, let me give you an example. I just want to, this, this is just the way that I see, for example, the way that the New Testament begins. Um, the New Testament begins, as you know, it says the book of the genealogy of Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, that's how I say it. 
Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, through Jewish eyes, I see 2,000 years of Jewish history right there. And that's amazing to me. And so what I want to share with you today, because Passover is coming up, the spring feasts are coming up, is how I see the, the feasts of Israel, the spring feasts of Israel through Jewish eyes. And uh, to begin with, in, in terms of the feasts, uh, we, we need to know, and of course you probably do know, that there are two seasons of feasts in the book of Leviticus. Two seasons. There are the spring feasts, obviously in the spring, and the fall feasts. Um, and these uh, feasts in the spring are Passover, and I'm going to introduce these elements in a moment. Passover, first fruits, Shavuot, unleavened bread, and the fall feasts, the blowing of the shofar, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. All of these are in Leviticus 23. But these two feasts, and I'm just giving a quick overview, correspond to two appearances of our Messiah. The spring feasts speak of his first appearance. The fall feasts speak of his return. So they're prophetic. They're prophetic in nature. And our rabbis, Jewish rabbis, understanding that there were two lines of prophecies about the Messiah, misunderstood because one line of prophecy speaks of a suffering servant. The other line of prophecy speaks of a conquering king. So our rabbis, not understanding that, created an idea that there were two messiahs, one who would suffer and then one who would reign. But we know that's incorrect. There's only one messiah who suffered, who rose from the dead, and is returning from heaven. And those, that's what the spring feasts and the fall feast teach. And I, um, this message in the spring feast really is the gospel in the spring feasts of Israel. I know when I share this message with you today that the Holy Spirit is going to touch hearts here today. The Spirit of God. And I believe that you're going to be strongly edified by this teaching because you're going to see your faith in the new covenant, the Jesus of the new covenant, has roots, tremendous roots, going back for centuries. And so today we're going to talk about four feasts of Israel in the spring, represented by these four symbols. I have matzah here. I have a shank bone. I have a sheaf of wheat, and I have two loaves, each feast represented by a symbol. And so we're going to begin, uh, turn with me, or maybe on the screen, to Exodus chapter 12, to begin with the first feast represented by this 
unleavened bread that we call matzah. Okay, so let's read about this. Exodus 12, this was the original Passover, the original nation of Israel coming out of Egypt. And in Exodus 12, verse 15, we have these instructions. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh, of course this is during Passover, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And verse 17, so you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on the same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven. I mean, can he say it? Any of more? <laughs> How many times is God repeating, don't eat leaven during Passover? You shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from, his congregation, from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a stranger or a native of the land. And then just to, as a final exclamation mark, verse 20, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations, you shall eat unleavened bread. Okay? I'm laboring with that because in these few verses, eight times the Lord said either from a positive, uh, eat unleavened bread, or a negative, don't eat leavened bread, eight times. Eight times. There's an important message in this exhortation or this command to eat unleavened bread. Now, every Jewish person knows that in preparation for Passover, we clean the house of all leaven. It, it, you know, every house is totally clean from all leaven. Leaven, therefore, is symbolic of that which must be removed from our house or our lives in preparation for the Passover. And it is, of course, symbolic of sin. It is sin that must be removed, or, and, and it testifies of the reality of sin in our lives. This emphasis on leaven, unleaven, it's a reality. And we don't have to, you know, look very far to realize there is sin in, in our lives. And God says he wants it out. And so this testifies. This is the first message of the spring feasts and the first message of the gospel. And that is, it speaks of repentance. 
get the leaven out. That, that's a call to repentance. Here, eight times in just a few verses, get the leaven out is the same message as repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen? Repentance is a big thing, my friends. It's a major thing. It's the chief call of the gospel. Repent means to make an inward profound change that results in an outward fruit. My modern day definition of repentance, here's how I explain it. And I want to challenge us, and I include myself in this. I'm not above this. Is my definition of repentance is that I'm willing to change. Not I was willing to change in January 10th, 1982, when I received the Lord. Yes, I was willing to change then. But am I walking in repentance today? Or have I got puffed up with the leaven of pride and put myself above other people and above even the word of God? The first message of the gospel, and I'm here today with this message, are you still willing to change? Or have you arrived? We have not arrived, my friends. We've not arrived. No matter what position we hold, whether we're a a messianic rabbi, pastor, elder, deacon, small group leader, we all need to be willing to change today. These feasts were to be celebrated year by year, and these messages embedded in the feast brought forth every year as a work of the Lord in our lives. Look at this emphasis in the Brit Hahadashah, which is Hebrew for New Covenant, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5 Of course, Paul, we call him Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Apostle. He understood the spring feast perfectly. Look at what he writes in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. He's speaking to this church in Corinth, and he's speaking about sin in the camp. But it still refers to us in our lives in verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? You let a little bit of sin in. You start compromising here and there. You keep watching those videos on YouTube, and you're going to let some leaven into your life. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Therefore, and look at this word, purge out the old leaven. That's a very strong word. Yeshua had a strong word for sin. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, what did he say? Slap it and say, oh, don't do that. Is that what he said? He was radical. Cut it off. Cut it off. Purge out that old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Messiah, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, and we're going to talk about that, 
Therefore, let us keep the feast. Let us keep the feast. Not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Malice, ill will, unforgiveness, unresolved anger towards a spouse, a family member, a spiritual leader, someone at work. Get the anger and malice and bitterness out. It's leaven. Amen? Just humble ourselves. I was meeting with someone yesterday, and he was very angry at something that happened at our meeting yesterday. <laughs> um, not, not with me, thank God. <laughs> with someone else. And I went over to the house. I said, you've got to forgive her. It's really hard for him to do it, but he did it. He got that leaven of anger out. And I feel like maybe there's someone here right now that is struggling with the spirit of anger and unforgiveness. And the Lord is saying, just release it. Sometimes it's pride holding on to that anger. Just humble yourself and release the anger. Amen? All right. So that is the first message of the spring feasts, the testimony of the unleavened bread. The second symbol is this, not so good looking, shank bone. This is a shank bone. And this points us back to the original Passover. And I want us to read it together, going back to Exodus chapter 12. And um, as you know that the Jewish people... uh, were in Egypt, and of course they were there a long time. Moses came down and delivered the people. and But Pharaoh would not let the people go. And so Moses was commissioned with ten plagues. And after the tenth plague, finally, Pharaoh was willing to let them go. And I want us to look at that tenth plague in Exodus chapter 12. Now remember the the tenth plague was the taking of the firstborn Egyptian. Terrible plague. But now look what God instructed in verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. See, God is the God of families. He cares about families. Amen? And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be, look at this, without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or the goats, And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. This poor little lamb. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Why did God say to do that? Skip down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Now, that included the Jewish firstborn. Every firstborn 
was in danger of death. And the only thing that prevented it was what God provided. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood, this is the key verse, the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Thus, the name Passover. I will pass over you, and the blood shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This putting of the blood of the Passover lamb testifies of two things, of the need that God, that that we have for blood atonement, number one, and the need for a substitute. That's the testimony of this shank bone, that God said, instead of taking your firstborn, I want you to provide a substitute that would be put to death And that blood applied on the door of your house. And when I see that you listen to me, when I see that you believed me, when I see that you acted on my instructions and applied that blood, I will pass over your house. What an amazing thing. As a Jewish person, it's so startling. This is precisely what Abraham discovered when God called him to offer his son Isaac on Mount Moriah, where the angel of the Lord called out and said, Abraham, don't do it. For now I know that you fear God in that you did not withhold your son, your only son. And then Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw a ram caught in the thicket And instead of killing Isaac, he killed the ram and called the name of that place Adonai Yireh. Or you would know uh, Jehovah Jireh. (laughs) Adonai Yireh. And what does that mean? The Lord shall provide. And what did God provide on Mount Moriah? He provided a substitute for Isaac. And this is exactly what Moses in the law said. I'm going to read from Leviticus 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement, to cover sin. For it is the the blood that makes atonement for the soul. That's the law of of Moses. It's called the law of sin and death. The soul that sins shall die. Either we die or a substitute dies on our behalf. That's the whole teaching of the biblical, the Hebrew Bible. It's the blood. And when Yochanan, the immerser, John the Baptist, looked at Jesus, the spirit of Prophecy came upon him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And it was no coincidence, my friends, that Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, was put to death on Passover. It was written 1,500 years before, and Yeshua, Jesus, perfectly fulfilled it by being put to death on Passover. And I want to read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, Peter, of course, understanding these things perfectly, or verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received from the tradition of your fathers, but with what? With the precious blood of Messiah as of a lamb without blemish. Remember, the lamb could not be with any blemish. And that's what he's saying about Yeshua, without blemish and without spot, that this Jesus is the Passover lamb of God. And if you will listen, if you will believe, if you will apply his blood upon your life in the day of judgment, God's judgment will pass over you. Wow. Let's give God praise for his provision. Adonai Yireh. But that's not where the spring feast stop. The call to repent. The substitute provided. There's also this symbol right here. This sheaf. I love this sheaf. Have sheaf, will travel. <laughs> Let's read about this sheaf, this third um, symbol in the book of Leviticus 23. Because during Passover, how am I doing? Doing okay? All right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, speed through this, but I really want to hit the main points, okay? So um, Leviticus 23, this, this scripture takes place during Passover. There's another feast during Passover, not only unleavened bread, not only the Passover, but a third feast. And we're going to read it right here. Very important. Leviticus 23, verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf, here it is, a sheaf of the first fruits. Now that's why this holiday is called the day of first fruits. You shall bring a sheaf of first fruits of your harvest to the priest. This was a very official ceremony. And he, meaning the priest, shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. Now listen to these words. To be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. This very official ceremony. To show you how important it was, there was a prohibition on reaping the rest of the harvest until this sheaf was waved. Look in verse 14. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain, implication from the new harvest, 
nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Okay, so during Passover, not only was the Passover lamb slain, but the nation of Israel was required to bring a first fruits representing the whole harvest. That first fruits was to be the choicest. It was to be the foremost, the first, the best, the preeminent part of the harvest. It, it was shall we say, a forerunner. And in that sheaf, the entire harvest was represented. Notice the words um, that to be accepted on your behalf. So if the Lord accepts the first fruit offering, the rest of the harvest is sanctified. Isn't that the teaching of first fruits anyway? Isn't that the teaching of the tithe? (laughs) When we bring the tithe, which is the first fruits, and God receives it, the rest of the harvest is sanctified and blessed. Amen? That's the whole teaching of first fruits. And notice the day on which it was to be waved. Verse 11. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. When? On the day... After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. What day is the day after the Sabbath? Well, that, my friends, is the first day of the week. And lo and behold, early on the morning of the first day, after Yeshua was put to death, he rose from the dead. The day that the priest was waving the first fruits, the first fruit Messiah, who is the choicest among us. He is the foremost among us. He is the best among us. He's the preeminent one among us. He's the forerunner among us. He's the first fruits alive from the dead precisely on the day that Moses spoke of. And again, Rabbi Shaul, fully understanding this, writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The whole chapter is about the resurrection, you know that. But I want to point out one verse to you. Verse 20. You know, he's going and saying, if Messiah didn't rise from the dead, we're kind of foolish to believe in him. All of that, we know everything rises or falls on the resurrection. But now in verse 20, he says, But now Messiah is risen from the dead and has become what? The first fruits. It's right here. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now remember to be accepted on your behalf as you and I place our faith, as we allow Yeshua to represent us in heaven, the whole harvest is sanctified. And we know that if Messiah was raised from the dead, you and I will be raised from the dead unto eternal life in him. Praise God. That 
is the message of the first fruits and the message of the gospel. Hallelujah. I just get super excited about this. I told Pastor Brian I could preach this message every day for the rest of my life and maintain this level of enthusiasm. <laughs> All right, we were one last, because it's still not over. There's still one more uh, spring feast represented by these two loaves. Two loaves that are with leaven, by the way. Unleavened bread, two loaves. I know you probably thought I brought this because I get hungry when I preach, but it, there really is more to it. Back in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15, the symbol of the two loaves of leavened bread. Verse 15. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. What day was that? The first day of the week, the day of first fruits, the day the Messiah rose from the dead. You shall count for yourselves uh, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Seven times seven equals 49. Then Verse 16, count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your habitations two wave loaves. That's why I have these two loaves here. Where am I at? Uh, right. Uh, they shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. This is the only time we see an offering made with leaven. So there's something special about this offering. They are the first fruits to the Lord. So I want you to understand that there is a strategic link between this day of the first fruits. God said, from this day, I want you to count 50 days and then there is another festival that we call Shavuot. So this strategic link, this links, this counting of the Omer, in Hebrew, Omer, sheaf in Hebrew is Omer, um, a strategic link. He wanted us to count 50 days, which in my mind links the two most amazing events in world history. One is the resurrection of Yeshua. But I want you to know, let's look at Acts chapter 1 for a minute. Acts 1, I'm getting there, winding up. I'll be done in probably uh, two or three hours. No, no problem, no, kidding. Just a few minutes. All right. Um, Acts chapter 1, I want us to see something. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Yeshua began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, I want you to see something. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering for many, um, 
by many infallible proofs being seen by them during how many days? 40 days. Okay, so the counting of the Omer is 50 days, okay? On the 40th day, Yeshua ascended into heaven. And he said before he ascended, he said, um, but you shall receive power, in verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said in another passage, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. So on the 40th day, he arose. He ascended into heaven in a cloud. He arose in a cloud. And then the apostles went back and they were in the upper room praying. And what were they doing? They were counting day by day. 41, 42, 43. There was a growing anticipation. Now I want to digress and you know, t- go back to the 1800s and imagine someone in Europe on a boat getting ready to come, you know, to Canada from Europe. And, you know, the son is on the boat and, you know, the mom who's worried at the dock saying, how will I know you arrive safely? <laughs> and what he says is, mom, when I arrive, I'll send you a gift. And when you get the gift, you'll know that I, aro- I, I arrived safely. In that upper room, they were counting 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. And what happened on that 50th day precisely in Acts chapter 2? I want you to see how precise it is. When the day of Shavuot, or Pentecost, the 50th day came, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a gift from heaven. Yeshua had arrived safely and sent the gift to his believers. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit precisely on this fourth spring feast. Could it be a coincidence that Jesus dies on Passover, that he rose from the dead on a day of first fruit, that the Holy Spirit was poured out precisely on the 50th day? Or is it by design? Don't we see the design of God embedded in these spring feasts. So this is a powerful and true story embedded in these spring feasts. Your faith has roots. It's it's rooted in the Hebrew scriptures and the revelation that God gave. I see it, these spring feasts, as the glove. And then the New Testament is the hand In the glove. The message of leaven. It's time to stop trifling with the gospel. And walk in a spirit of repentance and humility. Blood, the need for a substitute. The sheaf, Messiah, rose from the dead. And there's a promise of us rising from the dead. 
And these two loaves, by the way, represent Jew and Gentile, still with leaven, some leaven, but nevertheless God using us even as he's perfecting us. So Lord, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the revelation in these spring feasts of Israel. And I want to pray that you would use this message to strengthen this congregation, to strengthen each and every believer. And I pray for a spirit of boldness. Release a spirit of boldness that we know that he's the Messiah. We know that he's the Savior. He rose from the dead. He poured out his spirit and he's coming back to fulfill those fall feasts of Israel. In Yeshua's name, Lord God, I just pray for your anointing. And I want to ask just before I turn things over to Pastor Brian, I always like to give an opportunity because obviously I don't know everyone here. I don't know that many of you. But there may be some here who have never received the blood atonement. My friend, there was no other way in Egypt. My friend, there's no other way on the day of judgment. Some people say, well, it's so narrow. How could you say Jesus is the only? It's not narrow. It's open to the world. Come one, come all, drink freely. It's open to all. It's not narrow. There is one way, but it's open to all. And I want to invite you, it'd be such an honor for me to lead you to salvation this morning. So if you're here this morning, maybe with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never received Yeshua, Jesus, as your Messiah, as your substitute, And you want to do that today. I just want to ask you, if you'll lift your hand right now, I'll pray for you. God will hear your prayer. Anyone here today, Lord, I just pray for each and every person to truly know you, to be walking in a spirit of repentance, humility, and the spirit-filled life. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity of being here Many blessings. Shalom. Give me a hug. Yeah. Rabbi Jeff, stay. Stay with me. Yeah. Mm, Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your love for Jesus. Yeah. Thank you for pressing deep into the design of God to carry this message. Yeah. Father, we thank you for your son who desires to be your servant, to carry the truth, the life, the way, to carry Yeshua, the message that saves lives. And so, Father, we've heard it this morning again, that you have a great design, and we ask you to keep reaching into this world. We thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And though the world may not understand it, we ask that your joy 
your grace, your peace would flow through us who believe so that others can see and receive you and say, I might not get it, but I'm going to put my faith in the God who loves me and gave his son for me. Father, we ask you to bless Rabbi Jeff and the community of City of David and their gathering as they gather to proclaim that you are the way, the life, and the truth. God, may you continue to pour through them through all areas in the greater GTA. Lord, and between there and here, and between here and Jerusalem and back again, because we thank you, God, that you are the light that this world needs, and we say yes and amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.